So I'm reading to us today from the book of Acts, and this is uh, chapter 4, verses 32 to 37. So listen now for the word of God. Now the whole group of those who believed were of one heart and soul, and no one claimed private ownership of any possessions, but everything they owned was held in common. With great power, the apostles gave their testimony to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, and great grace was upon them all. There was not a needy person among them, for as many as owned lands or houses sold them and brought the proceeds of what was sold. They laid it at the apostles' feet, and it was distributed to each as any had need. There was a Levite, a native of Cyprus, Joseph, to whom the apostles gave the name Barnabas, which means son of encouragement. He sold a field that belonged to him, then brought the money and laid it at the apostles' feet. This is the word of God for the people of God. The tomb is empty. Jesus is resurrected. Jesus has appeared to the disciples and ascended, and now these disciples are left to figure out how to carry on this Jesus movement. They're left to try and decide what comes next. Jesus didn't leave them some kind of blueprint. Jesus didn't leave them a strategic plan. There's no uh, something etched that they can go or Google it and figure out what it is Jesus meant for them to do next. These disciples are left to live like they mean it, to live into and out of the resurrection. It must have been for them a time that was uh, pretty exciting. You know, can you imagine that they are uh, saying things like, you know, let's figure this out. Jesus left us to do this. We want to be faithful. We want to move forward. We are the ones he picked. Let's do this thing. And so when we come to this passage in Acts chapter 4, and there's a very similar one in Acts chapter 2, we look at this early Christian community and we say, wow, you know, this must be pretty close to the ideal, perfect Christian community. If you and I could only recapture that, if we could only live like these early Christians, my, 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 we would be almost the ideal community. And you see, so often... We look at a scripture text or we come to a passage and we've heard it before and we know what it means and we, we just kind of skip over. But the problem with that is this, the scriptures, these words in this book are God's word and there is always an abundance of meaning there. There's always a deeper meaning there so that if you have been reading this thing for 60 years, you'll still come to it and go, I never saw that before. Only if our spirits and our hearts and our minds are open to what God may be saying and the way God may work through the scriptures. 
And this is actually the case with Acts chapter 4. If we are really looking at the word and paying attention to what God is saying, we're going to find out that this community is maybe not the perfect Christian community after all. That it's a good start, but there's a long way yet to go. That in fact, in some ways, this community of faith village is further along the road than this seemingly ideal community in Acts chapter 4. But to get there, we have got to understand the sweep of the book of Acts. We've got to understand the context for the book of Acts. And, you know, when Jesus ascended, he told the disciples to wait, to stay in Jerusalem. So they did as they were told, and here they are in Jerusalem. The Spirit comes. They are the early Christian movement in Jerusalem. But by the end of Acts, it's going to end up in Rome. And in between Jerusalem and Rome, they're going to go to Corinth, they're going to go to Antioch, they're going to go to Ephesus, they're going to go out from Jerusalem into the entire world. And in between is going to be this fellow named Saul, who was the fierce keeper of the law. And he is going to be blinded, and when the scales fall from his eyes, he will be renamed as Paul, Paul, a name of the world, Paul, a person who will become the apostle to the Gentiles. There is this whole journey in the book of Acts that will lead from Jerusalem out into the whole of the world. And once we know what's happening in this whole book, we come back to this passage in Acts chapter 4 and we see that there are actually two things that are missing from this community of early followers. Now, the first thing that we notice is the way they are sharing everything. And you know what? That is a terrific thing. I mean, generosity is a hallmark of a Christian community. We give generously from what we have, and this is what they're doing. They're taking care of one another, and we are called to care for one another. But what we see in this passage is they are only using their resources for their own community. And everything we know of the gospel, everything we have learned from Jesus is that this community is supposed to share resources to all in the world who are hurting and in need. It's supposed to extend beyond the Christian community. If you look at Jesus, remember that there are all kinds of people who are coming to him. Multitudes came to him for healing. Multitudes, 4,000, 5,000 came to him to be fed. And these disciples were always like, oh, send them away. And Jesus was always like, no, we're going to take care of all these people. And the thing is, when you've got multitudes, when you've got 4,000, when you've got 5,000, you're not saying, uh, credentials, please. Are you one who I am supposed to help? Instead, you take what you have, and we know that in Christ, things are multiplied. And the more we give beyond ourselves, the more all of the resources are actually multiplied and can serve the world. 
So the first thing is this, that it's not enough to just be taking care of yourself, but you're supposed to take care of others. And I think this church, this village, has been doing a really great job at reaching beyond ourselves. If you look at our after-school program, if you look at Village Cafe, if you look at the way we support the schools and the teachers, we're evidencing that kind of resourcing beyond our own, even as we take care of the people that we love in this village. We're moving beyond. And in some ways, that's really a step beyond, a step down the road from this early Christian community in Jerusalem. And I'm sure we will have even more in the future that we will do to connect with, to help heal and make whole the community that surrounds us. But there's a second thing that this early Christian community is missing. And if you look carefully at this group who are here in Jerusalem, they're all the same. Now, of course, Jesus had to start somewhere. He had to gather a group, a community around him. But they're all of the same culture. They all speak the same language. They're all pretty much the same in this small community. But God is about to write the story out into the Gentile world to all of the world, not just to Jerusalem. And this is going to become a very messy business. You know, we forget how different the Jews and the Gentiles were in this period of time. I mean, the, the Jewish community, they are strictly monotheistic. They believe in one God and only one God. And the Gentiles are part of a pagan world that believes in many gods. And in fact, I, you know, I say that they had a God for everything under the sun, including the sun. These were radically different communities, and Jesus is trying to bring them together. That is Paul's commission, is to include the Gentiles into this Jesus movement in Jesus' way. In fact, none of us would be here, or not many of us would be here, if not for Paul and this outreach to the Gentile community. And so we have this situation that, Honestly, it's, it's a messy business. It's a hard business when you're trying to bring together radically different communities into one. I mean, just think about it, the questions that start to arise. Well, do the Gentiles have to be circumcised when they believe in Jesus? Or is it okay for a Jew to eat meat that was sacrificed to idols? And you and I, we're like, oh, well, like whoop-de-doo. So, you know, those aren't. No, back at the time, those were fundamentally important questions and trying to bring people together into real community takes some hard work it's not an easy business and sometimes you you kind of stumble but you keep going because you believe in Christ and you believe in this way of Jesus Christ so about a month or so ago a man by the name of Worku Miharitu came walking into the church and into the church office. And, and he said, you know, uh, we have this small uh, group of Ethiopian Protestants who used to be out in the panhandle. Now we've moved down into Oklahoma City, and we would uh, like to have a space in your building to worship. And so we took, you know, the little form that we fill out and we gave it to the trustees and we mentioned it at leadership table. 
And then, you know, we decided there's only one room, which is that little room uh, down the classroom the well once had, that little room uh, right downstairs when you come down the stairs. And I, I called them and I said, look, you're, you're welcome to come and look at this room. I'm not sure it would suit your needs, but, you know, come and look and we'll talk about it. And so Mr. Mihuritu brought uh, uh, Pastor Awike in uh, this last week, and I went downstairs, and I said, look, you know, it has no windows, it's not a very good room, but, you know, if it would work for you, and they looked at each other, and they said, yeah, it will work for us. And then they said, and we have kids who are between the ages of two years old and five years old. And I said, well, we have a nursery, and they're welcome back there, too. And so beginning next Sunday, we are going to have a group of Ethiopian Christians who will be worshiping in our building while we are here on Sunday. And, you know, they're going to be speaking Ethiopian. They're going to be living in a culture that's a little different from ours. And this is going to be a real test of our Christian community. We say we want to be this multi-ethnic church. And now I believe God has sent us these people, to be part of our community. Listen, nobody said to them, go to that church. They had to pass five or six different churches to walk in our door. And I think it's like Abraham, who's uh, agreed to this covenant with God, and these angels come passing by. And, and not only is it a test of who we are as a community, it's a gift. Do you understand the way it is a gift because we say we want to look more like Rome and less like Jerusalem? And so God says to us, here it is. Now you can grow and learn better how to be the movement of Jesus, the people of the way, and live into the kingdom of God together. I have no doubt that there are going to be some stuff along the way that we have to iron out. But I trust that God is moving for us and with us and in us and that we are becoming the people that God has called us to be. And here's the thing. We have a choice. People of God, we can always choose to stay in Jerusalem where it's comfortable, where we know everyone, where we can speak the same language, where nothing seems strange to us. We can be like that early church and just stay right in Jerusalem. Or we can start out and continue along the road that leads to Corinth and Ephesus and Antioch and Rome and the world. The road that leads to living the kingdom of God, to living into and out of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. So, the tomb is empty. Jesus is risen. And it's up to us now, each of us, to determine whether we are going to stay in Jerusalem or if we're going to go ahead and get on the road and let God lead us to that place where Christ is all in all. Will we live like we mean it? 
In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, amen.